Hey guys, welcome to You Chat Too Much podcast. This is a podcast where two international teachers, Joe and Madge, discuss various topics with the help of interesting and amazing guests each week. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to You Chat Too Much. This is episode six, and today we've got an exciting one, um, a topic which I think we're going to be um, have loads and loads of conversation about. Um, Madge, how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, all good, mate. Um, pretty much same as last week in terms of working and things doing, but I was just saying to you guys off air that I think the biggest thing that's happened this week, things are starting to calm down with the kids. Um, Zara slept through the night for the first time. Isla's going to turn two this week. Uh, feel like I'm going like to the next phase. Lane promises me it doesn't get easier. Just It just changes. So I'm going to take the win this week. Um, yeah, so hopefully um, things get a little bit easier and life comes back to a little bit of normality. How about you, Joe? Yeah, very good. Yeah, I, I will... Uh, I will identify that Madge walked into the office today with like a spring in his step after having a, a full night's sleep. Um, so yeah, no, my week's been good. Uh, just getting back to normal now, getting back to normal life as much as possible. We've, we're on countdown to Christmas, which seems a bit mad considering we're kind of middle of November, but we break up quite early. We've got a slightly longer um, Christmas break um, so yeah, we've got four weeks left to term, which is a bit crazy. So yeah. Do you want to start us off, Madge? Introduce our guest. Yeah, so I'm introducing Lane this week, a fellow Sheffield Yorkshireman. So Joe's going to really struggle. Um, <laughs> I've known Lane since I was 16, actually. So I've known him for a lot, quite a long time. Uh, we kind of went to the same college, did a different course, but and we all both worked at JD Sports, didn't we? <laughs> Back in the day, uh, popping those LucasAid sweets before our shift. That, that was that <laughs> then. Um, but yeah, I've kept in touch with him since, actually. We're um, really close, and whenever we I go back, um, always go and see him and, and the family. And hopefully one day he'll be out here soon. He was planning on coming out here, but uh, COVID it, so got been a bit delayed. So welcome, Lane. How you doing, mate? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good to be on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Lane's been messaging me. He's been a bit late to the podcast, but he's been messaging me like, yeah, you and me, Joe, with our beautiful voice has been getting him through these long runs that he's been going on. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's actually been messaging me with like a little bit of feedback and things that he's picked up. And the the he kind of wanted to come on. Well, there were a couple of topics he wanted to talk about, but one topic was um to discuss more about race but more from his perspective where he uh, he is mixed race so let's start with um uh, Lynn, i forgot to ask you you want to share what 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 do you do actually that's what i should start with well i work for the local authority i work in the the housing department uh i'm an analyst by trade uh, recently uh been in charge of our team uh, so I've just, just run a, a team that looks after the data analysis around council housing in, in Sheffield. So I'm, I love spreadsheets, so it's boring to a lot of people, but Excel's my thing, so I, I kind of make it fun. Uh, also, away from my day job, I'm a, a academy scout for Sheffield United, and I run a voluntary, I've got a voluntary post with Sheffield United Junior Blades grassroots team, which my son plays for. So busy, busy, busy. Nice one, mate. Things have busy changed. He's an expert in spreadsheets. I, I love a spreadsheet. I love a spreadsheet. Like, colour code it. Are you big on the colours and all the formulas and all of that? Oh, yeah. Got to format it. Got to use your conditional formatting. Oh, yeah. Quality. All right. All right. We've just lost about 20 of our listeners. Or <laughs> um, all right. So let's get started with that topic then. So... Um, I don't know if you remember much from that episode, Lane, about race. Uh, I don't know if there was anything that you 
agreed or disagree with. Uh, but my first question is, how is being brought up mixed race different or is it similar to what we talked about um, in terms of being brought up just as, as a black man or a black person compared to being mixed race? I think I can't really tell you how it's different because obviously it's the only way I know. So uh, I've grown up around the black side of my family because my mum's my side of the family, my mum's white and my dad's black Jamaican. I've, I've grown up around the black side of my family because we all lived in Sheffield, whereas my mum's my mum's sister lives in Rochdale and my uncle lived in Hazenden, just near like Blackburn and Burnley. My mum's from a small mining town outside Sheffield, so there's not many black people there. So that was a, a difficult one for, for me as a kid when we used to go and see my nanan and that. My nanan was always great with us, but it was clearly that if me and like, if I took a cousin or a friend with me and we'd walk down, down the street and just be kids, you'd see all the curtains twitching. And obviously, as you guys can see, I, I'm, I'm really, really light skins. It's not until you get close to me and you see my actual physical features, you realize how like that I'm actually black. A lot of people have, so oh, I didn't realize until you got up close. But in places like that, if you're not known, and especially if you're any person of color, they, you wasn't very welcome. It weren't until they spoke to my nana and she was like, yeah, they're with me. That was fine then, we was okay then. So I think it was, especially young, it was quite quite negative, other than my, my nanan. It was quite negative going and seeing the like the white side of, of my family. Because although your family was great with you, I think sometimes you, you don't always feel, I didn't always feel accepted. Uh, as I got older and got to know them as adults, I love them all to bits. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't feel like that anymore. But as a kid, I just... I just didn't quite, I didn't quite feel that I belonged. But I think it also, when I compared it with the black side of my family, that we was all we all lived in each other's houses. It was, it, we was all one. So it was just, it was just a different type of family environment that I think, as an adult, I grew to understand. But as a child, I just didn't feel like I, I, I fit in. Obviously. What, on, what, what was that? What was that like earliest memory of that? Because I feel like, um, and I've, I've seen some interviews and, you know, when they talk to kids about different topics, uh, about everything, but, you know, specifically about race and, you know, kids don't really see um, or acknowledge like differences in people until they're kind of pointed out when you're older and then yeah. maybe, you know, affected by the media and, and parents and everything else around them. So, I mean, at what age do you think were you aware that you, you maybe felt different to your surroundings? Like you say that, you know, where your mum was from was very much like a white area. At what point did you realise, oh, I, I feel like I don't quite fit in? How old were you? You're pretty young, like still in primary school. I think because of sort of the the distance, not so much my, my nanan, because it's not far, it's only half an hour down the road, but... The rest of my family, I, I probably saw them once or twice a year, if that. So it was a that I, I can't say I, I've got a specific memory where I, f I felt like oh, I remember that happening. It's more yeah. you just looking back. I just didn't feel like I always belonged, but I, I didn't. I don't think I saw them often enough for it to become for me to actually remember it. Because then I just got a week later, I'd be back in my my fam familiar surroundings. The, the schools I went to were really multicultural. Lots, lots of black people, lots of white people, lots of Asian people, people of all from different everywhere on on the globe. Both mm -hmm. the schools I went to. Uh, so I didn't in not in normal everyday life. I didn't. Oh, I didn't feel like that. The area I grew up in was a predominantly black area as well, and I was always grown up as a as a black man. If you get what I mean. And I've, yeah. I've never once in my life been referred to as a white guy, but I have been referred to as a black guy probably hundreds of times. And I'm as black as I am white. And I think as well, it, it is to do with how I've grown up, the culture I've grown up in. Uh, I saw a, a video today with, have you heard of White Yardy? The, the English guy who's like a comedian. Yeah. He's gone on like a show and they were saying, well, you were born in you, you were born in Britain, but he moved back, he moved to Jamaica when he was like a baby, like a couple of weeks old. 
they were sort of questioning him was how can he be a yardie if he was born in England and he was like it's, you're mixing nationality and, and culture up like I, I've grown up in that culture I went to school in Jamaica whereas over here just because you're black you we went to an English school I've grown up within that culture so I feel as a Jamaican and I think that I that resonated with me because I've grown up in a predominantly black area I've always referred to myself as a black man and I just I've, I've never I've never felt more at home than when I've been in and around. So I, I say people of color because it's not just a case of just black people. Uh, what about how how were you um, taken in from the black community? Did you feel any anything from them being mixed race or looking for, uh, light skin? Sometimes, sometimes, but I didn't. I always felt I always felt one of them. Do you know what I mean? I've I, I've never going to like carnivals and even as a as a, growing up as an adult going to sort of predominantly black clubs and raves and stuff like that I've never thought oh, I, don't, I don't feel like I should be here. I've never felt anyone make me feel like I'm any less black than someone who is full full black mum and dad both both black so I, I don't feel like me and, me and my wife argue about this because she feels the other way she feels like she doesn't feel like she's black enough for black people and she's not white enough for white people but I, because I've just grown up in that that black community with all my black family. Like my grandma, on my dad's side's got thirty five grandkids and forty odd great grandkids. So you you know we you know anyway, Major. We've uh, we've yeah. grown up around each other. They were my friends. I had a few. I've got a few friends, but growing up, my cousins were my friends, and mm-hmm. I that was just that was just life to me. If you get what I mean. So yeah. I, I never I never saw it any other way. Do you mind speaking a little bit more about your wife then? Just, I mean, you make comment of it and obviously feel free, you don't have to, but, you know, I I take it from your comment then that she's mixed race as well. Why do you yeah. think she feels kind of like the opposite to you? Was it down to upbringing and, and how much time she spent with different parts of her family members or or different? Yeah, yeah I think it's because she, she's got, her, her immediate family is much bigger than mine. So I think she's grown up in a household with six brothers and sisters or something. So they've always had a big family and she's got lots of cousins and stuff and certain cousins she's got really good relationships with. And I think I just, I think the difference between the two of us is there was always something going on in our family. We was always like, I always had a cousin at my house. I was always at a cousin's house. And I think although she, she did that, she did it with, probably more both sides of her family whereas I just grew up with pretty much my black side so I was always just another one of the black kids and I just I don't think she's had that so then she's not necessarily felt as accepted whereas I just get on with it I just I get on with anybody but I just get on with it and I just be being around people regardless of where we are but I, I think she's probably a bit more a bit more reserved but I just think it's because she spent time with lots Probably it was probably a bit more open with her, whereas I was literally in in that one bubble. So, Lynn, me knowing you quite well, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you, you, your mum's been um, a constant in your life, right? Uh, your dad's not been involved that much. Uh, you see uh, that you've seen him around and stuff. But how how did you get into that black side of the family then? If your mum's uh, family is predominantly white, how how did that work out? No, my dad's always been in my life. I, I think. I think he's like my mum and dad separated when I was about eleven. Uh, my dad's always been in my life, but I've always lived with from yeah. that point. I've always lived with my mum, but I've always known, I've always had a relationship with my dad, good and bad. Uh, but because of when them early years, so from like I think we moved to Pittsmore when I was about two or th- no, I mean four, and then my mum moved out, but my dad still stayed in that in the home that him and my mum bought together when I was a child. So that was like, and all my family, all my dad's side of family live in that area. So my mum always pushed for me to always have a relationship with my dad. You know, even when you're getting older and you're a bit more of a teen and you like what you like, but obviously my dad still wanted to see me and all that kind of stuff, but I wanted to go and do my own thing. My mum always used to pull me back down to earth and say, no, make sure you go and see your dad. And regardless of whatever her and him had, she always pushed me there, but I just think the early years of my life, probably four to ten, 
it was literally we all me and my family all lived in this within a mile of each other so that's why the relationships were just so close we had one one of my like my my uncles one of my uncle's sets of kids they lived a bit further out so going to stay at their house was like going on a holiday because it just wasn't in our bubble yeah. it was always great you always loved it up there because it was it was it was different different surroundings regardless of where i lived if i stayed in one at my, one of my cousin's house in the area I was still in the area. We'd still go to the same parks. We'd still go to the same places. We'd still be with the same people. Well, why do you think, and I, you, I don't know whether you will know this or, or not, but why do you think your mum, uh, or what do you think factors why your mum wanted you to, to really push you to have that relationship with your dad and maybe your dad's side of the family? Was that a conscious effort from her? Like, obviously, she still wants you to have a relationship with your dad being separated, but you kind of hinted there that you know there were times that maybe you wanted to also you know be a kid and play football and go out with friends but she was really pushing was that for any other reasons do you think or or not i think Madge knows my mum so he'll understand when i say this but my mum's just a really really good person and i think regardless of her own feelings towards my dad she would she would have known that i needed a dad yeah so you, I can't, there's only so much my mum could, could do for me as a female and as a, a young adult adolescent growing up. She yeah. knew I needed that. And she didn't have to push me towards my dad's side of the family. She, did, she didn't have to, but there'd be times I'd come home and I've had an argument with my dad because he's saying, come and, come and see me. I'm like, I don't want to. I want to go to town with my friends or whatever. Yeah. And uh, she'd be like, just, just go and see him for an hour before you go. Do you know what I mean? And I just think, as, sorry, there's two things as well. My mum's dad died when she was about 12. So I think she, she would know what it, she knows what it's like to grow up without a parent, mm-hmm. in, uh, her dad in, in it. So I think she really wanted me to make sure I had that relationship because she knew what it was like for that to be taken away from her as well. What about um, your uh, brother and sister, Lane? They're both older than you. Um, what role did they have to play like in, in, in this as well? I, out of three of us, I, I, they all call me the spoiled one. Obviously, I'm the youngest. But what my brother and my sister always seem to forget is they were the ones that spoiled me just as much as, as my mum and dad. So when my mum and dad was young, when my brother and sister, if they're only two years apart, but then I'm seven years younger than my sister. So they had a break before mm. me. And uh, they were a really good bridge between myself and and my parents so even like if I was acting up or my brother did a lot of the, my brother did a lot of the stuff that really my dad could have done but my dad was my dad worked a lot as well so mm. like what what you referred to earlier about like my dad had always been there he has always been there but he's he worked a hell of a lot so it weren't that he weren't there because he was an absent absent parent he was just obviously at work and providing for the family or doing what he needed to do so a lot of the time certain discussions it, it often I often had it with my brother because he by the time I was old enough to have certain discussions he was a young adult himself and he mm. could say it to me in, in a way that I'd, it would be a lot more relatable than if my dad was trying to say it if you get yeah. what I mean yeah. so they, they were how, really really good how about like did, did your brother or sister kind of uh, help you deal with the racism that you got when you were younger yeah and I think growing up like growing up where we grew up, it was it's, it's not so much now, but it was a really predominantly black area, uh, poor area, uh, lots lots of lots of crime, but there was a community which I think is missing now. Yeah. Uh, and because of my uncles, not so much my dad because my dad wasn't born in England. My two uncles that are younger than my dad, they were born in England, so they grew up in that area as well. So a lot of we, when I said a black community, everyone knew each other. So then, as I'm getting older now, sort of the, for want of a better phrase, the teachings he'd get off my uncles and my dad and the older heads to him in and around that community. My brother would be passing that, that passing that to me and showing me certain things and how to behave in certain situations. And uh, like imagine I was at a, a, a family party, which was a at a, at a bar, and. I must have been 10 and this, I don't know, never met the guy before in my life. 
this guy came in, a drunk, a drunken white guy. He was trying to buy weed off me. And I was like 10. And then like, I, I went and told my brother and my brother was like, you what? And then they took him outside and had a word with him. So they're just like, just random memories. Now to me, that's normal, but to other people, yeah, you think, you think wow, no, that's, it's not, if someone did that to my son now, my son, my son's older than I was at that age. Someone did that to my son. Now I'd be devastated. But that was normal where we're from. Yeah, I think I think that came up, didn't it? I think, and I mean, Madge, you you actually spoke about this because a lot of this this podcast kind of stemmed from me and Madge having initial conversations, and and that the first one was about race, and Madge kind of I think from talking to me about it realized that these things happened which weren't like normal and that that is like one of those you know and i'm obviously here getting like second degree embarrassment with it being a white guy doing it but it's just outright you know racism but stereotypical just ridiculousness and uh and yeah you think to it back then your memory which is sad that that was a normal thing because it's not it isn't a normal thing at all and uh and it's just different and i and i mean i i kind of wanted to push a little bit more about like those conversations with your so have you got two older brothers did you say or brother and sister brother and sister so were those conversations related to like race specifically or were they just like kind of how to kind of handle yourself as like a young male growing up I I think the reason I went on to that anecdote and I didn't I probably didn't finish it is because I, I remember that happening and then as I got a little bit older I remember I was walking with my brother and he just he started talking to me about like drugs and stuff, and I was like, "What?" And he was sort of telling me like about people will offer them you, people will try to get you to sell them for them, people will ask you if you've got them, and, we'll just, and it's funny because my brother's been like a drug intervention worker now, so yeah. he's and but at the time he was only he probably about eighteen at the time, and looking back as an adult, I'm looking and thinking, how sad is it that he had to have that conversation with me? as a, as young as I was, do you know what I mean? Cause I've had that conversation with my nephew. My nephew's 16. So his mum asked me to have certain conversations with him. So I took, took to him, I had to talk to him about sex, drugs, smoking, how to handle, like not handle yourself, but behave and carry yourself around mm-hmm. people and, and whatnot. And I, I've sat him down and had that conversation with him. And as I was talking to him about it, I was thinking, I remember having this chat with my brother when I was still in primary school. That was, that was again, that was just, it was normal. And I think some of the, some of the things that you, that you see growing up, you, again, you look back and just think, wow, that's, that that's things like that shouldn't be happening. Lena, I remember uh, getting in touch with, I don't know if you remember this, maybe about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I messaged you when that Black Lives Matter movement was happening. And I, and I messaged you, I was like, Lynn, like, what, what's, uh, what's the deal with when you're, when you're mixed race, do you, are you getting the same stick as a black man? Or like, logically you'd think that oh, it's probably a little bit of both, like uh, maybe not as bad, but, and you said to me then that, no, I just get classed as a black man. So I just get it all the same. Do you want to explore that a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. I think, I don't think I get it. As, as much as a, a, a full black guy. I don't because we're, we're not viewed the same. Like I said, I could, a taxi might stop for me because they think, oh, he, he could, he could, might be, he's light enough to be a white guy or he's got a beard, he might, he might be an Asian guy. But I've got friends who won't even try and stop for a taxi at certain, certain, certain areas like after an hour because they know they're not, they're not going to stop for them. Do you get, do you get what I mean? So I, I don't, and that's just one example. I don't get it as bad, but like I said earlier in the podcast, I've never been called all oh, that white guy, and I think that's that's it's not a frustrating thing for me because luckily I'm sort of comfortable within my own skin, and I grew up with in in the black in the black community, so I'm kind of like yeah that's fine I, I'm okay with that and I I identify myself as a as a black person. My stepdad always used to say to me yeah you, you're black but, and that all that kind of conversations have always happened since young, but. I just, I, I don't ever, I feel, I know how uncomfortable it feels to to work, to to be in, even at football and things like that, when you're one of the very few people of colour there. And 
it's not a nice feeling, especially when you've got a different name as well. Oh, can we just call you? No, you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me my name. I was coaching the other day, and it, what was the kid's name? He tried. He told me his name was Simon, and I looked at him, and his friend went, "No, your name's not Simon. It was a very, very African name, but like it was like a Bible name, yeah. but African." And I says, "No, that's your name. I can't remember what the kid's name was." And he was like, he was happy. I says, "I goes, why are you telling me your name's that?" And he just says, "Oh, that's just what everyone calls me." And but I've always grown up. My my mum, my dad, my brothers, my aunts, my uncles. Obviously, my name's spelt weird as well. Like you think you'd call it say Lane, but it's Lane because of how it's spelt. So I've always been no. This is my name. Say it like that. Whereas not everyone's been brought up with that confidence. But I know how uncomfortable it feels as well. Yeah. And it's 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 not nice. It's not nice, man. I also think that you know just uh, as an uh, someone who observes from the outside, because obviously being Asian, I have same struggles as you, um, but they they're, they're a bit different. I think Asian people are just kind of forgotten a little bit when it comes to the race conversation sometimes. Um, but then on the other hand, I've said before, like the battles the same. So if it if it if it if it gets solved through the black community, like it's only going to be good for us. And at the end of the day. It's a little bit different. There's a little bit different attachment to it um, with with the history as well. But I've always, just from observing, I've always found that white people are more acceptable of mixed race people than they are of just pure black people. Uh, have you have you ever felt that? Have you have you ever seen that yourself? I, I I would agree with you. I do I do agree with you. I do I, I do think the struggles of a, of a full black person is much much more than a struggle that I've faced, and that's just from talking to people who I know and experiences and things I've seen do you know what I mean they're, they're always everyone's always aggressive but I think I've had similar struggles probably just not as often mm. do, you, do you understand what I mean but are you ever in situations where like you, you like you see it and like it's not towards you but it's towards someone else and you kind of feel a little bit awkward in it? no because because of how I because of how I am I take just as much offence even if they've not said it to me so then I'd be I'd be next to that person, helping them challenge the person in in the right way, of course. But I I wouldn't just be sat there going, oh, they're going in on him just because he's black and just be sat oh, at least not having a go at me. Yeah. I would be one of them that's going, hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you as well. Like, I, even, if, you know, even if it's got no to do with race, you'll, you'll speak up anyway, regardless, you know. So, yeah, that... Can can I move back a little bit to um because something when me and Madge have spoken um off air about this episode, a dynamic that we wanted to talk about, and this kind of comes off a, a documentary that we both watched recently about Colin Kaepernick, and he it's an amazing one if you haven't already seen it it's an amazing uh, Netflix episode the production is 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 insane, and there's loads and loads of like amazing history through it but one thing that I really noticed was now. Colin Kaepernick is mixed race, but he was put up for adoption when he was when he was a baby, like I think four or five weeks old. But he was adopted by two white people um, who think the story was like they were trying to adopt, and unfortunately they weren't able to adopt a one baby, um, and then they got Colin Kaepernick. And the mum wasn't really portrayed very well. Um, you know, she would make quite a quite kind of wayward comments you know like scenes where they're in the car together and uh and the police officer would say oh are you guys all right and look would look past him and then the mum would be like oh yeah we're fine and not really identify the fact that like he's suggesting something the dad kind of stepped up a bit and then uh the mum as soon as the police officer went you know the mum's like oh you really got away with that one didn't you like you know and just would seem to be very oblivious to it did did you ever have or, or remember those conversations with your mum related to race? Was she obviously aware of it and did she have those kind of positive conversations with you? Did you feel happy to have those conversations with her as well? I couldn't tell you a specific conversation. What I will say is my mum is, she is very big on whoever you are, be that person. I and love that. She's... 
the amount of times she's she told me because my mum doesn't drive and she she'll be stood at the bus stop more so like nowadays you know you know kids are like nowadays they're much more outspoken and she says sometimes I just have to stand there and bite my lip I hear certain things and I'm my mum's very she will challenge inappropriate behaviour regardless of what it is like what Majid was just saying about me that is something my mum has always stood up for one thing my mum has done like really really well she really embraced the black culture I said she when she moved to uh, Sheffield with my dad uh, when they eventually bought the first house that was like I said in the middle of the the, the black area of Sheffield and my mum was my mum would go to the to the to the dancers her and her friends would go out and she 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 loves it she she goes to Jamaica she listens to reggae music she, I don't know anybody that can cook Jamaican food better than my mum do you, do you know what I mean it's just that my mum really embraced it all my dad's side of the family uh, cousins aunties uncles they everybody loves my mum because of how she embraced that and I think just her just embracing that and sort of she didn't have to have race specific conversations with us it was more about you and treating people the way you'd like them to treat you whether there's a old saying I think it was Muhammad Ali was talking about uh, I, I'm always wary of the person who's, who's rude to the waiter because if I was that person they'd be rude to me as well yeah. my mum's always been like that you, no matter who it is whether you're talking to a director or whether you're talking to a janitor that you treat them with the same respect and yeah, and I, she never had to have race specific conversations. And I think my mum's also quite my mum's sort of intelligent enough to say to me, she we've we have had these conversations as adults, saying, I, I can't I can't tell you how to behave around racism because I don't know. Yeah, and my mum she's white, and my mum my mum says it all the time. All white people are racist. I said, no, I'm not having it, mum. She says no, and she goes into sort of the real detail and sort of the, about how. Racism isn't about the person, who, one person who's calling people certain words, and it's about a system and about power. And she's saying, and white people portray that power, whether you like to or not, whether you mm-hmm. believe in it or not. And, and that's what my mum says. And I, I, I get the point. I don't fully agree with it, but those are the type of conversations we've had more as I've got older. Whereas as a kid, no, she she didn't have race-specific conversations with me. I don't think she really needed to. Her actions were, this is this is our family, this is our home. I, I love that as well because I've always, I think that was like the question and that was a curiosity in terms of what do you do in those situations? Because as I was watching that documentary, I was thinking, well, what could she have said then? And then there is that there's that awful thing of like, you can't say you, you understand, you know, you can't say, oh, you should have done it like this or, you know, and I think I love that sentiment from your mum, just like accepting all. And I think the fact that message is, is stuck with you and continues to stick with you and then, and how then obviously that's affected her relationship with everybody around her. And, and as well, like it's everybody. It's not just like certain families. I get that impression from what you imagine said is she's just a well-liked individual. Doesn't I'm just, just going to say is. this on here because it's on air and I'm pretty sure Lane's <laughs> mum's going to listen to this. But Lane's been promising me Jamaican food since he was 16 and I've still not had it. And he said his mum's going to cook it. So <laughs> I'll be coming back next summer. I hope um, he keeps saying it every year that he's going to get that sorted. But yeah, funny Lane though, I was saying to Joe today in the office about like how, how your mum is and that, how she embraced. I said that before, you even said it like, how, how I feel that she really embraced the black culture. Um, I just got that feeling from her anyway. And she just she just got it. That's that's the best way I could explain it. She just got it. Um, so moving on, Lynn. Um, how about uh, racism now? Do you receive any racism now, or are there any things that get said? Because I think I want I want you to kind of share with other people just to be aware of things they say or things they do that they're not necessarily aware of. Because I think, um, I, I don't know if the, I don't know if, I I, 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 not, I don't know, I get I get the feeling that there's less racism, but then in terms of like media, I'm, I'm comparing my own journey, like when, when I got it when I was younger to comparing it to now. And then obviously media and social media, how it is now, it just feels that like there's a lot more 
but like in terms of people that I know as well, I feel that they're more acceptable. But I also think as well, the biggest thing that changes it for me as I've got older is my mindset. Like I don't give a crap anymore uh, about what people say. I'm just like, I just feel like before I used to be quite conscious of the way people looked to me or if they were whispering or looking at me and laughing at me and just thinking, you just felt like, you just felt like the odd one in the room. But like now I don't, I don't, I don't care anymore. And I know you're you're pretty much going to be similar, but I mean, I'm just wondering if there's anything that you like struggle with in terms of like maybe career, maybe work, or if there's any opportunities that you feel like that are being held back because of it. Yeah, I think one of the things I've always been taught growing up, and from mom, dad, brother, sister, everybody is, we've always felt that as a black person or a person of color, you have to. I think if you've listened to the Dave song, uh, Black, yeah. he says you need to do double what they do so you can level them. Yeah. And that has always been instilled in us as kids. Luckily, my dad worked his absolute socks off <laughs> all his life. So regardless of anything else, I've always known, no matter what it is, whether you work in McDonald's, whether you are a doctor, whether you a litter picker it doesn't matter what your job is you have to make sure you are doing something and so i've always as much as i, I know it's there what i've sort of learned and tried to do as i've got older is not let that affect my approach so i would always no matter what it is that i do i will always try my best at it i say it to the kids that i coach you you if you're giving anything less than 100 percent you, you're only you're only cheating yourself there. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get what I mean? So I would do that regardless. So if if I've not got jobs because of my name or because of the color of my skin, I couldn't say I know that as fact. Yeah. It it may have happened, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I wouldn't if I don't get a job, I'll go for another one. If, if something I'd I, don't, I try not to let things affect me. Funnily enough, I, I think the the casual casual racism or the the abuse that people talk about from back in the day, like my dad said to me, like I must have come out on a night out and somebody said something, and I was saying to my dad, bloody hell, like moaning about it. And my dad says, you don't understand half of it. He says we used to have to have a fight with the bouncers to get in. He says yeah. that's that's nothing. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's not, I won't say it is as bad, but something happened, it was about a year ago now, uh, I left work and I was walking up, my, my son was football training not far from my work and I was walking there and as I was walking, I was, had, my, had my headphones on and somebody had phoned me, so my music wasn't on, but the guy must have not known that I could hear him. See, we crossed paths, he never said anything to me as I walked past and then I got about 20 yards up the road and I said to him, go, Go back to where you're from, and I stopped and I looked and I'm looking around, going, "Really? I was born here. Like, what?" <laughs> and then he ran off. But I think he was like just—I think he was someone who just had something wrong with him or been a bonnet about something. But then I walked off, and at first I was angry, yeah. but then I just laughed. I thought, "How daft do you have to be to say?" Because if he'd have said it to me face to face, obviously I'd had a lot more respect for him. <laughs> but he obviously waited, and I just—and I just thought, "Yeah, you've got much more troubles than." than I have so I just laughed I just laughed it off I suppose uh, the comment you make Madge about the amount whether the amount has changed or not is race with racism kind of stems back to your point about what your dad said is your dad kind of identifies that racism was so much more overt and in your face whereas now maybe a lot more of it is just behind closed doors or behind a computer screen or when they think you can't hear them. I mean, that's yeah. just bizarre to me that yeah. you would even say any, any type of remark to somebody, even if nothing related to race, but you like, it's, I mean, it's the equivalent of like, you know, swearing at someone in the car, but not doing it at the window, just doing it like under the window. I mean, what's the point in doing it? I mean, just you're just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I think yeah. uh, we've, had, we've had lots of, we've had lots of times when you've, you've come up You've come up against certain things, and I think more now you can't know that it is that it is racism because, like you yeah. say, it's a lot more covert. People do hide. I think as well they've learned how to do it a lot more slyly. People have, I think, people have learned how to say, say and do certain things, but because they've not said certain buzzwords, 
Yeah. You can't you, you can't really prove it, so it doesn't really happen. Watch that Colin Kaepernick documentary because he does an amazing scene where um, a black guy, a black, I think he was a lawyer, has just been appointed, and he's got these uh, like amazing dreads into like cornrows into dreads, and then there's just various little comments, and it's the um, yeah. it's the subtle racism, but it's it's like you can like you can't prove it, you know, or yeah. there's certain things that he's just said that just oh I can't now like press him against this, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's really well done of how it is, and that's kind of what you talk about there. Yeah, I agree. There's a there is a lot of like um, that feeling in it, Lane. When when you might you think it is, but there's just no way to prove it. It's just it's just one of those horrible feelings. And even then, you you question yourself. Oh, what, am I am I just trying to make an excuse for myself? Whether that not just good enough? And but it's it's even now that Yorkshire racism, the cricket club, and like that's that's a lot of system systemic and institutional racism that's just kind of, kind of getting called out now. But a lot of it still goes on. I mean, I'm sure it does in the background. It just feels a little bit different as you get older. I think. Well, I'll give you an example. My first ever first ever proper job that I got. My first ever full time job. Uh, part of the interview process was talking to the manager, and. Uh, the lady asked me it was the terminology that she that she used she said how do you feel about filling out an equal opportunities form and i was taken aback by it and i, I know the lady personally now because she ended up being my manager lovely lady I, I don't i i think that was a question she was asked to ask because i know her well enough she's had questions about black culture that she'd pull me to one side and say what's this about you know similar to like you guys say like why you started this podcast and stuff which is absolutely great by the way just to drive the discussion i don't think it was her but i said to her i think if there was such thing as equal opportunities you wouldn't need me to fill a form out about it yeah <laughs> and yeah, she like looked so at me cool. like gone out and then i luckily i ended up getting a job and whatnot and then on one of my first days i was talk, just talking to her as my manager and she said the other guy in the room was disgusted with my answer and i was like what and she, she says yeah he, he he thought that i was sort of saying well i shouldn't have to fill one out because i'm a person of color and i was like i said he missed the point and she says yeah he really did and i had to show him what the point was because if we've got equal opportunities why do we need to prove we're providing equal opportunities mm -hmm. So and true. I was just, it is, it is, it is that, I'll never forget that. So, Lynn, just to move it on a little bit, what, how, how are you now a father of two mixed race kids as well, boys? How are you like using your experience to kind of just um, trying to get them equipped for what the world is like? Just similar sort of, uh, similar sort of discussions I had as a kid. Uh, I, I really, the Black Lives Matter, it couldn't have come at a better time for me at the age that my kids were because they're very intuitive and they really, really, they ask lots of questions. Like my, my younger ones, uh, he's got autism. So he, but why? But why? But why? He always, because he, he doesn't get, he doesn't understand it. And as a, as a, child, as a younger child, when he was at school, a kid, he went to play football and said, can I play? And a kid said, no. And he goes, well, why? It's because you're brown. So I hit the roof. I hit the roof. I was. I wanted to go to this kid's house. I wanted to speak to his dad and all this. And my brother actually said, you don't know anything about the kid. Wait. Find out exactly what happens. Turns out this other kid's got autism as well. And that was just him having yeah. banter and looking at my son, seeing that he's brown. And it was more of a description. And it, it mm -hmm. wasn't. I've, and I've now since got to know that kid's parents and they're lovely. He's, and the mum's, his mum's Irish. And we've had discussions about, about race between us. And I actually, like, I felt bad that I felt how I did. But at the same time, I was, like, sort of, obviously, protection mode with my son. But my son never saw, obviously, never saw the racist side of that because of how young he was. I think if someone said it to him now, he'd get it. But he didn't mm -hmm. then. And it was just, honestly, I, I was livid. But then I was, I'm glad that nothing came of that because, like I said, they're a really nice family. And it was just something that that child just completely got wrong. 
does your does your conversation change at all um, with one of your boys involved in football? Are they both involved in football or? Yeah, they're, they're both involved in football now. Uh, my younger one's only just started. Uh, he's like, never will been that conversation before. change a little bit with everything that goes on in football and obviously just having such prominent players supporting, also being abused? You know, does that change things? No, because because the, my two are only 18 months apart, I tried to speak to them both on the same level. Mm-hmm. More so for my younger one, because of his, his autism, I don't want him to feel that I have to speak to him differently just because he has autism. So I tried to, I would try I treat him both both the same when it comes to discussions like that. Uh he'll probably ask more questions, whereas my, my older one sort of understands it a little bit more and just kind of goes, Well, I'll just get on with it. It's a bit more like me, but my younger one really thinks about it and he'll like you'll you wake I'll be wake up in the morning, he'll be downstairs in his breakfast and I'll say, Dad, so you know when you was a kid if somebody said this to you, what would you have done? Or has anybody ever said this? And it, we won't have even spoke about anything for like the last three or four days. And he's obviously clearly, we've had a conversation about something and he's just, for the next couple of days, just sat yeah, and right. thought about it and thought about it. So we have to be, he actually said to me in the car the other day, the, the lyric from the Dave song that I've just said, he actually said, what does that mean? And so I explained it to him and he says, but why do we have to do that? It doesn't make no sense. Why wouldn't you just... The, sort of the best person is the best person. And I says, it's not like that, son. It's, it's, not, how it, it's not how it is. Um, Leon, I want to ask you a question. It's a difficult question, but we've been asking loads of difficult questions anyway, and I'm comfortable asking you this. And I know you won't take offence. I hope anyone who's listening doesn't take offence. But just from observation as well, like talking about like interracial marriages and like being mixed race and stuff is it culturally more acceptable to for a white woman to be with a black man rather than the other way around that's just what you see generally in society is that within do you know anything about that do people talk about it or is it just one of those things that just kind of never gets said no i don't think i don't think either are more culture I, I think they're probably on par i think the issue with a white woman with a black man, trying to get it right, yeah, is the the racist side of society sees that as a black man taking our women, whereas uh, a white guy with a black woman, the racist side of society would be, ah, oh, well, we can we can take what we want, kind of thing. On the other side to it. I don't. I think ninety percent of black people aren't that bothered. They're just you get your idiots, which you do in every society. But I think, I mean, I, I can only talk from me. I've only yeah, yeah. grown up as like my sisters had white boyfriends, black boyfriends. I've had white girlfriends, black girlfriends. In my family, not just immediate across the board, it's always been just a case of who they are as the person. Uh, in society, I'd, I, I don't know. I'm not going to lie, I'd, I don't know. I've got Go some on, stats I, for you, I man. I was going to introduce you to your stats because <laughs> I know you've done some research. Well, I just, I'm always curious, and, and obviously I always preface this because stats are just stats. I know you're like an Excel buff as well and, you know, certain things, but percentages are only there because of the data that you've inputted. Yeah. Um, so you can read it as you like. But I did find out some interesting things which kind of blew my mind. Um, more than a quarter of white men married an Asian woman, so 26%, and 6.9% married a black woman, which, again, you see probably more so where we are, imagine Malaysia, that's probably more apparent in terms of white men and Asian women. But then in contrast, 20% of white women married a black man, while 9.4% of women married an Asian man. There was just two two random things, stats. And then what I'd never realized was that interracial marriage was, was uh, like criminalized. So in 1960, across 31 states of America, you weren't even legally allowed to marry somebody of a different race. And it was only in 1967 where they legalized it, which again, I just, I, I mean, I think where I'm from, 
you talk about your mum being from like a very like kind of small mining area i was from like a rural area in norfolk you know and we didn't really have many races at all so i was i was not really exposed to it really as a kid and only towards high school um conversations with parents and then going off to university you're kind of just more more exposed to it but yeah i mean things like that i just didn't know about and i just thought i, I don't know whether you thought that Madge, but it kind of blew my mind a little bit yeah, I mean, the stats are kind of just say what we observe, really, isn't it? Mm. Uh, it, it's, it is strange, though. Uh, yeah. Well, what, the way the way Lane explained it, I didn't even really think about that as well. Like, he just, yeah, he just kind of answered it straight away. I didn't even think about that. I, I think as well, sorry to cut you, Madge, yeah, personal experience, I've had three girls who said they couldn't go out with me because their parents didn't agree with uh Interracial. Didn't, didn't agree with interracial. It was also because you were ugly as well, mate. <laughs> Let's not go down that road, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> you said I'm not allowed to swear, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't make sorry, me. Sorry, I forgot where we were. Sorry, sorry, we're being sophisticated. Start again, start again. Such like a professional conversation which just descended right at the end. Yeah, this is just normal for us. Of course, yeah, so how works. did you? How did you? How did you react to that? What what can you say to that? Did that was I mean, that another one of thing? Them I met one of them. I met the mum and dad. Was that another thing that just felt normal at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Just, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and I, and I just remember that, and I think I've never been bothered. Like, we, I was like, I wind my two my two up. I said to him, what, what kind of girls do you like? And then they're like, I don't like girls. I'm like, oh, so what kind of boys do you like? <laughs> I don't like boys. And as and then like. My younger one is more like he says, "Oh, we start. I, I like girls with the big bushy hair and blah blah blah." And and you laugh and I laugh a joke with him, but I just I just laugh because I just think you you've got a lot to come. They might not like you back, guys. Uh, do, you, do you know what I mean? But it, it were. I think the first time a girl ever said that to me, I'd actually we'd gone out and we got ready at her house, and I met her mum and dad, and it was nice nice to me and that and it was all it was all good and then yeah. a couple of like weeks later and like i was trying to meet her for a second date and stuff and she says no my mum and dad basically said no not not going out with uh, one of them you know what i mean and it just yeah. it, it, it's it's horrible but it's that's normal it, no, it i think normal, that, i think like i think i think that's why that's why it's important for us to say something then like because i know joe i know joe uh was kind of shocked when we first had that conversation about, like I said, when, when I said it as well, like it just felt normal, all those things that happened. And Lane's kind of saying the same thing. But I think for people that are listening, you, you just got to kind of just watch out for it, be aware of it. And hopefully you you have the confidence to step up or just, you know, just to check in on that person or just be aware of it. You know, like we're, we're teachers, we're in school and these things will happen around us, and, but we won't necessarily look for it. But by people listening to episodes like this and having these conversations, it's just it's just trying to make you a little bit more aware and having a having a different role in society. I think we can all make it a better place if we're just a little bit more aware of it. I think that's why I was keen to come on as well because I really really rate what you guys are doing because I, I've had conversations with with white friends or white acquaintances or whatnot, and I say just talk, just talk to some talk to someone. It doesn't have to be me. Just speak to somebody. How, why do you feel like that? Because a lot of the time, a lot of black and Asian people won't challenge racism because the straight answer is, oh, here they are again, pulling the race card and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Whereas these sort of conversations, open, honest conversations, no one's taking any offense. It is just about learning and about bettering yourself. And you've got to have them. I, I had it at work with, with, with a lady I work with and she asked me about, uh, a Beyonce song, Brown Skin Girl, and she basically says, with everything going on about race, why why would she do that? Why would she make a song like that sort of to highlight it? She waited until everyone was gone out of the office, which I liked because she could have a, it was an open, it was an honest conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I said, yeah. I, was, I like the question because she's not asking out of a, she's asking for a, a place of, a, a place of trying to understand. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, what it is, It'll be because she's obviously got a daughter and she's basically saying to her daughter, no matter what society tells you, you are beautiful in your skin. That's basically the, the song. 
And I said, so forever, no matter what happens, to be honest, her daughter has all, will always have that song of whenever her daughter needs to be reminded of herself, she's mm-hmm. always got that song. And she kind of just went, I would have never thought of it like that. And I said, I'm happy you asked the question because yeah. now you wonder, now that's something you understand. Yeah. And that, that is what I would really encourage a lot of people to do. Black and white, because it might be that white people react in a certain way because they think black people are going to react in a certain way. Yeah. If, we have a, if we have a common understanding, then we're both better for it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is. Is is uh, sometimes we can, uh, as as minority people, we can be offended by the way they ask that question, and then we're like, "Yo, you're being racist." Or uh, a white person could approach someone and they feel racist for saying it or asking it, but it comes from a good place, like you said, you know. The same, the same girl in the same conversation. She was like really happy. It's like she learned something. And I says, look, I'm going to give you an example here. I says, I'm going to say some words to you. And I want you to tell me the first thing that comes into your head. And she said, okay. And I said, grooming gangs. She like, was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I knew straight away what, what went off in her head. Because in Sheffield at the time, well, in Rotherham, just outside Sheffield yeah. at the time, there was the massive news story about this big Asian grooming gang. Yeah. And I says, so what's, what's the first thing you thought? And she really, I made her say it. And she, she says, hey, Asian people. And I says, why? And she says, well, because of what's going on there. I says, well, do you know there's another grooming gang that got locked up for longer that both of it's wrong. None of them are right. Mm -hmm. But they was white. But that wasn't in the media as much as the others. It was like a little corner in the newspaper. Them guys also got done. I said, so why are we learning about one and not the other? And she was like, oh, my God. So I just felt like that helped her learn that you've got to sort of be able to decide which bits of information you're going to trust and learn from yeah 100 percent, 100 percent agree thanks for that lane right lane we finish all of our episodes with a, a quick fire round of questions i'm going to give you the first one and Maz can give you the second we've got three okay. questions all right first one is um what's one book podcast movie series that you'd recommend to somebody and why does it have to be on the top topic we're talking about? Or just nah, definitely not. No, no, it could be anything. Yeah. Just a just a good a good movie or whatever. Uh, I'll give you. Sorry, can I give you two? I've got a book and a show. <laughs> you read books, book. mate. Book. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get it. Sure. <laughs> Go uh, book. Malcolm X's autobiography. Who's? Oh, um, Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Unbelievable. Yeah. It shows the the change in him as a person. Yeah. It's probably the most honest one I've read. So when he was thinking a certain way, he spoke about it as that person. Yeah. When he was, when he then became a Muslim, he spoke as a Muslim. When he then, after he'd done his pilgrimage, he understood that it weren't a case of white people and black people hating each other. It was everyone's actually quite equal. Uh, great book, but my favourite. Uh, and a show, uh, the Khalif Browder story on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen that. If you've not, it's called Time. No, I haven't seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, the one with Jersey, that, Jersey's producer, right? That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. And uh, there's the other help, one. That the other one that's called race as well. Uh, when they see us as well, the one that Oprah did. Yes. Was, yeah. Yes. They were that's both good. very similar. Came out around the same time. But both of them, yeah, brilliant. But the, the Khalif Browder story is him talking. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the when they see us is a, a story into. I know it's a, based yeah. on a true story, but it is a story. Yeah, yeah, you see how he how it changes over time, how he changes over time, eh? Yeah, because of that systemic racism as well. Um, what's the most important character trait that you feel that everyone should develop? Resilience. I've had that a few times. One hundred percent resilience. Why? 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 Because you have life's not a box of chocolates. You have to learn. It's not how many times you get here. It's how many times you get back up. And I I just. That I'm very, very keen on that. That comes from football, though. That I think, because of obviously a lot of ups and downs you get in football. Yeah, for sure. And then final question is: um, What's your best tip to develop productivity? Just get on with it. Just stop moaning. Just get on with it. It's hard. Like Nobody that. wants to go for a run. Just go and do it. Just listen to podcasts and do it, innit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I find them very informative. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, quality lane thank you so much for for joining us and and uh yeah i mean i've definitely definitely really enjoyed the conversation with you today thanks very much thanks uh lane um it'd be interesting if any of our friends listen to this anyway imagine it was to on podcast being civilized and you know how far we've come but i really appreciate um <laughs> sharing your stories and being vulnerable and yeah uh love to you all and, and your family man hopefully see yeah. see you soon back at you guys back at you Cheers, okay, <laughs> all right joe what um how do you feel about that episode i mean it's quite quite um it's quite quite a deep one isn't it and um it's interesting to kind of compare that to Eben's episode and to Lane's episode. And to be honest, I came in that thinking it was going to be a little bit different um, with with Lane being mixed race, but there were a lot of similarities and then very similar struggles. What do you think? Well, I think there's there's similarities between Eben's and also Ethan's last week even. Um, I think what is... Uh, what was amazing or what I want to say first is um, just how like honest he was and how open he was. And I think by just that honesty and openness and he then continued to talk about it at the end where, you know, encouraging those conversations. This is this is what it's all about, isn't it? This is what the podcast is about. It's just kind of being open, having those conversations. I think um, I think where you saw the similarities with Eben as well, I'm not too sure, you know, in, in terms of why he thought it might be different, but it was, he mentioned early on that anything, he's always been identified as a black man. Hmm. And I, whether that's like an outright societal thing and that kind of systemic racism still holding on, that despite the fact it is purely 50-50, they're going to focus on that one side, which is the the side that they're going to kind of pull you back on a little bit. Um, and I think it's not even a little bit he's identified where actually he's had to work double and he seems to have been really successful um, and and in doing so and you know I loved his sentiment about his mum I loved his mum's like uh, I loved his mum's like ethos about kind of how he brought him up because I, I was really intrigued to see how she would have those conversations and whether she would say try to understand but just the fact that she didn't try to understand she just made it very clear that everybody was amazing and we should all accept everybody and that was the that was the main thing that she kind of pushed so yeah there was loads of really cool things that he said um and obviously some quite sad things as well that he identified um and again it you know it comes back again to like you know that kind of racism from from his experiences from white people, which obviously is just kind of rubbish when you're hearing it, but it's these conversations hopefully help or at least educate or, or keep people aware of it to know that it isn't disappearing and it is just a little bit more underlined sometimes and we, we've got to keep addressing it, um, inequality. Yeah, I think like also like knowing Lane and his family as well, um, the, and and like a lot of his friends and I know the area that he grew up in you know like when he he, he has or he has had such a good support network like mm -hmm. his environment there was so strong like everyone kind of knows how it is everyone's got their each other's back everyone's kind of got the same struggles and they go through it together and like he said they just laugh about it because what else can you do mm -hmm. and and that confidence that he's got now and, and I, i've known him for a few years and i can just blatantly say ask how it is and i mean I, I check in on him every once in a while especially when when the race thing happens and just to check in and see see what he's thinking or what he's feeling and he's kind of oblivious to it now not not like he's um ignoring it but it's just something that's just part of his life and he just knows how to deal with it mm -hmm. and, and it makes it different because I, I think uh, compare my like his area that he he's talking about is very similar to where I grew up but the difference is that the there's a lot more black people where he lives where there's a lot more Asian people where I live mm -hmm. but the environment and the support network is completely different like I don't think Asian people at that time had the confidence to step up and support each other because everyone was kind of going through the same thing mm -hmm. and maybe that's just because it was a generational thing because I think I'm first generation my mom and dad came from Pakistan 
and maybe they haven't quite worked out how to get through it where black people have been in the UK for quite quite a while um and obviously he he's he's mixed race as well so he's he's had he's had support from both sides but yeah kind of looking at that like now I feel I would be confident in speaking up if I was to go back to my area and talk to my kids or talk to people younger than me maybe that is just a a generational thing but yeah like massive kudos to uh, his mom and his, and his family as well because I, I know them and I, I, I speak to him quite not speak to him but I see him when I when I go back sometimes and yeah it, it is it makes a massive difference mm. yeah I thought it was really good I thought you know I thought it was one of our most open open uh podcasts in terms of some of the content that we talked about some of the things that we addressed and some really really great examples that he gave um and very current as well like you know just identifying things that were we that are around us and i think he's he's exposing him he obviously is exposed to a lot of things within work and within football and um and how he kind of keeps his kids exposed to it and has those conversations i just think is is awesome and i, I mean it's just being a good a good parent as well having those conversations with your kids about rights and wrongs but he's obviously coming from it from a slightly different you know a, a different standpoint and uh unfortunately it's it's necessary that he still has those conversations but you know if the kids kind of grow up with that same confidence that he does hopefully we can we will start to see some a question a question change. i never asked him but um we talk about influential people on that other episode and lane mm. actually is a volunteer and he, he runs a team and he's like he's talking about his scouting yeah, and he's yeah. actually like remember when i said how those people influential to me yeah 100 percent, he's going to be influential to them especially oh, yeah. like especially for the the kids who are born into race or like his team is a completely mixed team and how many how many mixed race or black people do you see out there in in those sort of leadership volunteer roles you know and yeah he's, he's been in sheffield all his life he's just giving back to community so it's only positive things man he's yeah yeah he's doing a great job yeah right quality. right joe let's uh let's finish it there man another episode done I think next week you got another Northerner, Sheffield guy. Are you ready for two, two, two Northerners, another one together? You know, you know, I actually put um, subtitles on today. I got my, you know, just so I could understand you both. You know, because yeah, when I you sh- both, when you both got together, it got even stronger. Yeah, it does when, I, when I'm around <laughs> other people. It's like it's like me. I have to speed you up twice so I can get get your conversation. <laughs> it take too long to talk. <laughs> right, mate. All right, catch you in a bit. Quality. See you, Madge. See you later, bro. Bye. bye. Hi guys, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. Share it with someone if you think they might enjoy it or if they might learn something new. If you have any comments or would like to join us on an episode, email us at youchattoomuch at gmail.com. <laughs>